So I'm just going to talk to God personally, and y'all can just be along for the ride for just a minute. Help, Lord. <laughs> uh, I, I'm being playful, but I, I really, I want you to, I want you to speak to us, Lord. You know exactly where every one of us are here right now. And we have gotten used to this personal interaction with you. <clears throat> come, Lord. Come. Come. Be with this congregation of your children gathered in your name. And Holy Spirit, we ask you that will you bring... Stir up within us worship and thankfulness and give God, our Father, what is due his name and what is due Jesus our Lord. Your will be done right now. We pray in Jesus' name. Last time I spoke, uh, I was in, uh, I did, the, I think, I did Nicodemus. Talking about, you know, he was going, what do you, what do you mean? Do I got to be born again? Like, how, how can I do this? How can I go through this process? He was real serious. You know, he came at night and talked to Jesus. And, and John has gone on now, and he's uh, over in, in uh, the second part of chapter three, I was just I read through through that, and little little sentences, little places, kind of stand out for for a moment. And thought I thought I would mention one or two of them as I go on to the maybe the story of uh, the lady at the well. But in chapter three of John, this is New American Standard, um, verses twenty six, twenty seven. You know. John's been baptizing Jesus' disciples. Things are starting to go on. And um, verse chapter 3, verse 26. So there's a, there's a kind of a discussion that's been going on with John's disciples. So they came to John and they said to him in verse 26, Rabbi, teacher, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified talking about Jesus, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. They're going, hey, you're losing some people to that Jesus guy. And uh, it's actually his disciples that's doing the baptizing, but his little group. And 27, John answers and says, he says, a man can receive nothing unless it's given him from heaven. We can't take any pride in it because it wasn't ours to start with. If, if we... So we want to do that balancing thing of staying humble because we know it's not ours and honoring God and at the same time avoiding like a soulish humility. That's kind of a little awkward thing that happens every now and then. 
because you know it was God had had said something or maybe maybe you were the one that was praying for a sick person and God healed and you know your part was just praying the prayer um, being there and somebody will say something to you I hate it when someone says like well you're such a man of God no, you don't really know me. You wouldn't say stuff like that. You know, or it's one of those times when I really wasn't coming and I just came because I felt guilty or something and I showed up and, you know, and there was a person across the room and you just felt a little bit of a draw to go over there and pray for them for a minute with somebody else and then God shows up and you go, it's really about God. It's really God. You and I are just showing up. But we do need to show up. I mean, we do need to do that part. So let's go on down to uh, chapter 4. Now, I'll just read, just, I could just jump in there, but, um, well, maybe I'll jump in there. I'm blaming all this on the time shift, y'all. I don't know what else to blame it on. Uh, he's, le- chapter 4, verse 3, he's leaving Judea, he's gone, he's went away into Galilee, but to get there, he's got to pass through Samaria. Now, I know you already all know this, but we'll just go over it again for a second. So we think that uh, Upper Kingdom, Lower Kingdom, they had trouble. They had uh, some warfare that went on with the Assyrians, and the Assyrians took off people and then wanted to repopulate the area with some people. So they, uh, this Northern Kingdom area into Samaria, and so uh, they import people. And the people that there have a mixture in their how they perceive things spiritually so it's like jewish plus some assyrian stuff and so when they when the temple's torn down and they start rebuilding the temple the people from this area want to be a part of it we want to help but the orthodox jewish people the ones that are like by the book going no uh -uh, you can't help us so this starts kind of this friction because you're a Samaritan, meaning you're like uh, sort of half and half. I mean, you're not fully Jewish. You know, you don't do everything the way we do it by the book. So there's kind of hard feelings in this area. So verse 5, so Jesus, he comes to this city in Samaria, Sychar, near a parcel of, of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, I always have trouble with this because always in the sidebar it goes, well, if we're talking Jewish time, it's like, uh, what, noon or 6 p.m.? Let's see. Noon if it's Jewish. But if you're going by Roman time, it's 6 p.m. I don't know. It's 6 something. Right. I like to think it's like noon. I, I think he's hot. I think they've been walking. It's, it's, he, you know, he needs a drink. 
Verse 7, and there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Okay, so she's one of this, this group. And Jesus says to her, give me a drink. Now, this is a deal. This is how you get something started. It's always good to be beholding to someone. They'll tell you this, like at the airport. Like if you're flying someplace and you need something, it's always that you kind of go with your hat in hand to the airline official who can punch the buttons and get you someplace. You don't want to do like you've been seeing on television where they go into their banshee place or whatever uh, and, the, and they throw the machinery down on the stand. You know, you've seen them pick it over their head and throw the, the flight of t- you, you plan it, uh, their, their equipment on the floor because you get thrown off of the airline for doing that forever. Uh, so you don't want to do that. You, it's nice to, they say, you know, let them know that you're, they're powerful in the moment. Uh, they can help you. I mean, you're not trying to trick them. You just really, you know, you're in touch with that. You're in touch with someone that's got something. Um, Jesus is so good. So, so when I look up at y'all, going to travel, been traveling, right? You just never know when you turn the corner who's there and what's about to happen in an interaction with somebody. You never, you never, you don't see it coming. It's rarely that he might wake you in the middle of the night going, and tomorrow morning about 8 a.m. you're going to meet somebody and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's, it's more like you turn the corner, you bump into them, and something starts. So something uh, going on. So Jesus says to her, give me a drink. For his disciples, verse 8, had gone away into the sea to buy some food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman? Parentheses, for the Jews had no dealing with the Samaritans. We've already got a little something happening, a little interaction here. This Jewish man is asking me to help him. And we normally, they just avoid us. They, go, they walk way around from the Samaritan area so they don't have to run into us. There's just hard feelings here. But not right here. Verse 10, Jesus answers and says to her, if you... Now, I'm not expecting y'all the next time y'all get in a situation to have this much wisdom, but you might. You might, have, you might say something going, wow, I don't know what came over me. I just said something that was, man, that was the sentence that turned, changed the day. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, what's she going to do with that? That's an interesting lead in. That's an interesting thing to say. She says, verse 11, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well's deep. Where then are you going to get this living water? I mean, running water, kind of like, you know, fresh, you know, you know not, not just from the well, running water. Are you, you are not greater than our, than our father Jacob, are you? 
who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. And Jesus says in 13, he answers and says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Now, I don't think I'll ever be witty enough to say something like that. But he has a way of saying something through each of us to someone else that it's just, it's just the right thing right then. It's the right action. Because behind that, behind you is the vehicle, as the delivery, as the spiritual postal person, is your heavenly father who cares about them, that person that you're having an encounter with. Every time you and I have an encounter with somebody, it's not just you and me there. It's you and me and God. You're one of his kids. You're ambassador of the kingdom. You're, love of his life, so are they, but he loves you. He loves them. He deeply cares. What might happen the next few minutes? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water, like an artesian spring, a well of water springing up to eternal life. Boy, it's gotten really heavy here all of a sudden. We're talking about deep stuff. We're having a spiritual conversation. And with just a moment from him saying, hey, could you give me a drink of water? To this little exchange, now, now we've gone into really the big stuff. Verse 15, the woman says to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or come all the way here to draw. She's still on the natural. She's hearing him, but she's going, this guy's saying something that seems just, but boy, if there was anything to this at all, what he's saying, this would be great. I wouldn't have to bring a bucket down here. I wouldn't have to do all this stuff. I mean, this would be great, what he's saying. She, he has engaged her. Her, she's fully present in the conversation now. <laughs> Word of knowledge in coming into Jesus. God's giving him an insight, and he says... Uh, Verse 16, he said to her, go call your husband and come here. 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. 
This you have said truly. Big shift. We've been talking about water. He's been talking about water that you won't even need water. That's a great idea. And then he changes the subject. Go get your husband. And she's being honest. I'm not married right now. And then he, he just tells her stuff that he can't possibly know. So now she's shifted more toward the spiritual. She says in 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Who could possibly know something except somebody that works for God? You couldn't possibly have known this. We have gone from you're asking a Jewish guy, you're asking me, a Samaritan lady, for some water, okay? And then you've started talking about this eternal water that you won't ever need again. That's, that's, that's interesting. That's strange. Uh, but, uh, and, and now you have, you have read my mail. You, you've told me stuff that you can't possibly know. I'm, I'm talking to a prophet. I'm talking to a holy man. So now she shifts into the spiritual conversation. I perceive you're a prophet. Verse 20, our, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, the, the ancestors of the Samaritans. But, but you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. It's almost like going to a political, suddenly it's, it's about politics. It's about something else. You know, you, she shifted the, the conversation. Jesus says to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. He's just being, I don't think he's not, it's not judgmental. He's just telling the facts. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. In other words, your mixture of your Samaritan way of seeing things, you got some Jewish stuff, but you got some other stuff from your, your Assyrian ancestors that you're incorporating into your worship. And it's, it's, uh, it's, not how it is. You just think you know what you're doing with your worship. He says, 23, but an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Now, there's our motivation as Christians, when we're talking to people, that behind our conversation, behind our actions, behind that is knowing that our Heavenly Father wants people to worship Him in the Spirit and in the true way. This is our Father's motivation. And it's 
It's really uh, behind everything he gives, gives us to do. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Verse 24, he goes on. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. had a conversation with one of my grandchildren. Have you talked to him recently? This was, this was Friday. I don't even know how we got there. He, Patsy and I, we were with grandkids down here. And uh, he was talking about going to church. He goes to church regularly. He mentioned that that you go to church regularly. And he mentioned another friend. And he says, I, uh, I asked one of my other friends there, did he go to church? And the friend says, oh yeah, I go to church. I went two years ago. And my grandson goes every week. And these other two friends, young ladies that he mentioned, go every week. And that's painful to hear that because that is the state of America, the state of even Alabama, of this town, that this is a change is going on. They're like the scripture that says they are sheep, they are sheep without a shepherd. They don't know their right hand from their left hand. Not as a judgment statement, just as a fact. They spiritually don't. How are they going to get to the place of the Samaritan woman at the well? You're the answer. You and I. We all need to be ready to be a service to our Father who is spirit and wants them. He wants them. He wants them. It's not just a Bible verse, three, John 3.16. You know, it's not just something to memorize in vacation Bible school. I did when we were young, you know. God so loves everybody. He sent Jesus. It's painful to hear my grandson tell that story about his friends. Verse 25, the woman says to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. And when, and when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. Well, that would be, you'd be speechless, wouldn't you? It's just, this guy says he's the Messiah. 
At this point, 27 his disciples came, and they were amazed that he'd been speaking with a woman. Well, that he'd been speaking with a woman who was a Samaritan. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot, left it there, went to the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Messiah, is it? This is not the Christ, is it? Now, undoubtedly, she was well-known and uh, not was just an airhead kind of person. I mean, that when she said this to them, they took notice of her saying this. So they go out of the, out, out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? <laughs> Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Our food is to do his will and do the work he's giving you and me to do. Do you not say there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Talking about the time of the year for them. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white for harvest. Already he who, who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not, you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. This is convicting to me. I get anxiety over all kinds of stuff. I was telling my wife when we was in New York. I wasn't having trouble with anxiety. Now I was more concerned about being on the subway and not like falling in front of a subway train, some different stuff like that, but, you know, tripping, going down steps. But, but I have so much stuff at, in my personal life that when I'm here, I have anxiety nowadays. I don't know if it's my age or I just got a lot of things that I get myself concerned about. But when I see this, I go, well, this is important. No matter what I fill in the blank that gives me anxiety is not as important as this. Would that I would choose in a situation when I find myself talking with someone that I would choose the spiritual conversation with them, whether that's praying for the sick or answering their question or, listen, or just listening to them, talk about their whatever, that I would choose that over X, Y, and Z that I have anxiousness about. Because it's going to be, if I, if I take care of X, Y, and Z, there'll be an ABC tomorrow. There's always be something else of natural stuff that gives me that I wished I had done or was going to get solved or whatever.
we scheduled a tree trimmer to come and cut two giant trees in our front yard before they decide to fall over in the house or something. And that'll probably happen, and maybe it won't fall in the house or on my neighbor's cars. Or I don't know. But this is more important than the trees. This is eternally important. This is, the, this is the kind of stuff that when I stand before Jesus and he said, did you do what I told you to do? And some of it I'll say yes, and some of it I'll say, mm, no, I was concerned about trees and I kind of put that one off or something. And then I won't be able to go back and change it because it's already passed. I'm before the judgment seat of Christ. I mean, I know I'm his child, but it's about the, but it's about the work, things that I'm supposed to be doing. The conversations that I'm supposed to be having, the people I'm supposed to be praying for, all the, all the stuff that really has an eternal weight to it. More important than trees in the front yard. So just be honest, I get afraid that I'm going to choose the tree-like stuff over these conversations, over these, over these, over You chose some good stuff being in Brazil. You probably didn't even know it right then. Maybe you do now, but maybe you don't. Maybe it'll be 10 years from now before something that happened when you were there this time had so much weight to it. I'm so glad you went. Just the potential of it going. You had to get on the plane, you had to go there, you had to, all the other stuff that y'all did. I'm so glad that, that you went. You have stuff that you know was really good. And other things you don't know, but later maybe you'll know. Now they both went far away. But yours might be in Publix. Something really simple down in Rainbow City. Because you went there to get something. And you had a, ended up having a divine appointment. That's forever important. That goes down. Because whether it's in Brazil or Publix. The will of God is the will of God. Wherever you are. Whenever you are. Yes. Yes. I, I don't know what's going on in New York. All I can tell you is when I was there in October and they were there last week, it's different. In the same streets that we were on before, it seems darker. I don't know why it seems darker. It just seems darker right there, right now. 
all these college kids are walking by. They go with NYC and uh, other people just, you know, if you've ever been up there, just, there's just continuous stream of people in traffic and people delivering on electric bicycles night and day and just, just people, 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 you know. Eight million people on Manhattan. Seven million leave during the day and leaves a million on the weekends and stuff, but there's eight million people there. Maybe lesser right now. Some are working from home, but it's still a lot of people. A lot, a lot of people. With all kinds of situations. Verse 39, and from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him. Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. And after two days, he went forth from there into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own home, his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. And for, them, for they themselves also went to the feast. And therefore he came again to Cana. Remember, that's where the first miracle was, you know, the wedding, Cana. So he, he goes to Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. Well, yes, there it is. And, and there was a royal official whose son was sick in Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of, out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. He's making a point is that you need, to see, you need to see it happen right there, right this moment. This is the place that you are. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Verse 50. And Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. Now this was a deal. No laying hands on, not coming there. He just says something to him. He just tells him. Your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. And now he was going down and his slaves met him saying his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus had said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household, the whole household believed the story he's just told this is the second time sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of, Gal out of Judea into Galilee. God, will you give us, the people here, encounters in Jesus' name with people who don't know you, who barely know you or know of you, but the encounter ends up living, leaving them with the awareness that you are alive and well and are involved in their life and you see their problems, and you're not just off in some other place in the universe. 
you are personal with them. Hear my cry in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, stories this week. The simplest of stories. The culture is moving away from encounter with God. For whatever reason, it doesn't matter. It's moving away. I want him, I want, all, all, I want them to have their own stories. I, I have stories only because I walked across the room or I went, you know, I have stories that I probably wouldn't have had if I just stayed in Sunday school. Sunday school is nice, but Sunday school, I, I didn't, I don't, I can't think of a single story from my Sunday school where God showed up. This kind of stuff, I was starting to read A.W. A. Tozer. I was reading C.S. Lewis. I was reading, I was reading others, Madame Guillaume, different people. And I would get stirred up. And I would go to Sunday school. I'm not, I'm not making fun of them or anything. I just, you know, um, the, my Sunday school teacher was uh, uh, later, it was an attorney. He later became one of the judges in town. He's retired now. I would interrupt the Sunday school class and say something. I would say a paragraph of something or another from this stuff because it was stirring me. And they would all stop and listen to me in the class. It was a couple's class. There's about 20 people in there. They would stop. The Sunday school teacher would acknowledge that I had said that, and they would go right on. There wasn't a single, and I did this more than once. I did this multiple times. I got to the point that I bought a whiteboard and put it, asked permission to put it up on the wall in the Sunday school class. I was going, I was getting crazy little bits by little bits about God because I was seeing stuff. And I wanted them to see stuff. And I wanted to share it with them. And I didn't know how. And when I said things, it didn't have an effect. teaching art go through the art room I'd say I don't know I don't know what I would say I, I, I don't remember actually I didn't preach at the kids I did pray for some hiccups across the room and God would stop the hiccups and they would always say that's weird how'd you do that well I, I was praying under my breath I just didn't want to ride a path, hall pass to make the hiccups stop you know I get I get notes on Facebook still from students that tell me things like, you know, one time you said this to me, and I have told my children that very same thing. I said, wow, you know, I would be super spiritually wise if I took all the people that y'all have said this to me, of these, these little one-liners. I don't remember saying any of these things to you. I was just walking through the room probably to, like, bring some paint or take a paintbrush or do something or another. You and I have an effect as Christians because the Holy Spirit's in you. You just have to walk through. Remember to stick our neck out. Take a risk. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Just show up. 
You haven't got really anything to lose from it. Nothing to lose from it. Except that you might have a story later to talk about. I told you, I told you, I can't even remember what stories I told you. Did I tell you about the one that had the migraine? In the art room, I, the art room had been the kitchen in Glencoe. And the back room still had two deep freezes in it that they didn't know what to do with, and so they were running. And so this particular one girl had a migraine, a really bad migraine, and she had called home, and there was no one at home, and she couldn't check out, and she was in my art room. So I, I said, hey, won't you roll up your coat? There's two or three students, and then the other one, it was springtime. The other, other ones had gone outside. I was letting them draw outside in the grass, take their drawing board out there, and so she's in there, and two other girls are with her and her best friends in the class, and they rolled up a coat, and she's, she's turning white. It's like, I hope she didn't throw up in here. You know, so I said, could I just pray for you for just a moment? She said, sure. So I prayed for her, and then I went outside to be with the students. You know, a little while later, parents came home, sent the call on the speaker, they got her, and she went home. That was it. Didn't, nothing else about that. So one day, Wayne Finley worked. He was an American history teacher. And uh, she was over with him after class. She says, you know, Mr. Bentley's kind of weird. He said, yeah. He said, well, he's weird in a lot of ways. What, which one were you thinking about? Well, he, he uh, I had a migraine, and. I was in on the deep freezes in there, and he asked to pray for me, and he prayed for me, the migraine. And uh, Wayne said, what happened? Well, it went away. So you don't mind him being weird if he does that part, do you? You know. And uh, I tended to, the more I kind of started doing with God, the more I would, I wasn't trying to get in trouble. But I did get to the point that the principal said to Wayne, he says, will you go back and tell Bentley to quit doing divine healing in the art room? <laughs> so I, yeah, I tried, to make, I tried to be good and not do stuff. I wasn't trying to sit out to do something. I was just trying to take care of her headache in the way that I knew how. Did y'all get what I was trying to go? You have the spirit but God our Father wants to use you and me. He wants, to, he wants us to move in the Spirit and in truth. He wants us. That's what his kids do. That's what his heart is. Give us appointments this week, Lord. And you watch this on, I hope it stirs you, somebody on, on the Facebook thing. As long as we get to keep having Facebook, we'll keep doing it. Father, thank you for this Lord's Day. Um, someone needs something in the room, let us um, pray for one another. In Jesus' name.